received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Verse 21, for as a man came, for as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Verse 45. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. As is the man in heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man in heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the perishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this imperishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O death, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray. God, you are so good. Jesus, help us. Every person in this room right now, Lord, I pray that if there's anything else in our minds, in our hearts, would you just clear it out, Holy Spirit. Help us to feel the truth and the power of what we just read. Lead us, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, you can be seated. So last night, uh, we, were, we were today going to continue our series. Uh, we're, we're looking at a couple of Proverbs talking about how it relates to life together. And last night, uh, I was doing the dishes, whereas so often some of my best thinking comes from, um, or some of my worst, I don't know which one. But I was doing the dishes, and I was just thinking about what today is. And it's like we're dedicating Shepherd, and we're welcoming new members. And I was thinking about just the gospel. And I really felt the Lord put it on my heart, after having worked all day on my sermon, to just talk about the treasure of the gospel. And next week, we'll continue our series on just how the gospel applies to life together. But this week, I just want to pause and enjoy and remind ourselves of, of the fact that, like, we're here because of 
the fact that everything has changed because of Jesus. And that dictates and guides and grounds everything that we do as a community of faith. So I want to just go through this passage together and just celebrate what Jesus has done. Macy, great job reading. I know that was a lot. Thank you. The first four verses. I would remind you, brothers. This is the Apostle Paul speaking, right? And, and he says something. He says, I, I delivered to you as of first importance. Whenever the Apostle Paul says, hey, this is the, f- the thing of first importance, right? We need to listen. Verse 3, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. What is of first importance, according to Paul? That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Friends, the gospel is the message of God becoming flesh and living a perfect life, and pointing the way to righteousness, and then dying so that we could live, so that our sins would be put on him, and his righteousness would be put on us, so that forever we could worship and enjoy him. So, so first thing, let's just celebrate. If you are in Christ today, your sins are done away with, right? That doesn't mean that you don't remember them or that you may not still have residual like challenges or struggles with them, but it means that like before God and, and the thing that separated you from God, if you are in Christ, like all the sins of your life, they do not separate you anymore. They do not have authority anymore. They do not determine your eternity anymore. Jesus does. Amen? Second thing you need to know If you are in Christ, your Savior, he didn't just die for you. He lives. First importance, Christ died for your sins. First importance, on the third day, he rose again. Not spiritually, not conceptually. Jesus literally came out of the grave. Christ is right now, his body is at the throne of God, reigning over and for his people. Your king The one who made you and knows you and loves you is a real person who lives today. And you were made for relationship with him. Third thing we see from this, you need to know that was always the plan, right? Paul says twice, in accordance with the scriptures. Friends, the gospel was not plan B. It was plan A through Z, right? Jesus was always the one who is going to save us. We see this in verses 21 through 26, the next few verses that we looked at together. Paul talks about this man named Adam and says, as by one man came death, by another man has come the resurrection of the dead. What what Paul's referencing is the creation of the world. God made Adam, first human being ever made, right at the creation of the world. And Adam was without sin, And he was going to live forever, and God had given him an assignment to rule over creation and to fill the earth, and Adam screwed it up. Adam chose death. And from that, we call, in church history, we call Adam our first parent, right? From Adam's sin, every single one of us that has ever been born after him has come into that sin. We've joined in it, we're shaped by it, and that means that everyone dies, Right? Bad news of the gospel. Sorry if you didn't know that. Everybody dies. But the amazing news is there is a second Adam. There's a true 
firstborn of the new creation. His name's Jesus. In Christ, you and I, there is this new people that is being formed, this new creation. And as he lives, so we live. Jesus is what our first founder, parent, wasn't. Jesus is what Adam should have been, but could never have been. Just as Adam was the first of all mankind, Jesus is the first of all those who are redeemed by grace. And Jesus never fails. His people won't fail. And even now, I love what Paul talks about. Even now, he is putting into subjection all of his enemies. Listen to this. Read this thinking of just some of the enemies of Christ in the world. Think about evil rulers. Think about injustice. Think about sin and how it hurts people. All of that. Listen to this. He must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. You may not feel like it in your life right now. I don't know what you came in with today. You may be looking around and going, man, the enemies of Christ, the power of sin, it feels pretty strong in my life. Or I get on the news and it feels pretty strong in the world. You got to know, right? The Bible says this, man looks at the outward, God looks at the heart. Jesus says the kingdom of God is a mustard seed that at first looks really tiny and you can't see it. And then it grows up to be the biggest plant in the garden, right? You and I can't see everything that's going on. That's the point. And what you need to know is that no matter what it looks like to you right now, Jesus is winning. He's winning, and he will win, right? Even now, he is putting into subjection all the people who try to resist him, all the forces and powers and principalities of darkness that want to kill you and I. Jesus is slowly but surely crushing them. That's what the gospel says. But it doesn't end there, verses 45 through 49, the next set of verses that we read. Thus it is written, the first Adam became a living being, the last Adam is being, becoming a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust, right? God made Adam out of the dust. The second man is from heaven. Christ existed before time began with the Father. He's from heaven. And so just as we, this is what Paul says about believers, just as we have been born in the image of the man of dust, like every person in here, we're made of flesh, we're from Adam, so also we will bear the image of the man of heaven. Okay, we talk about this a lot, right? Sometimes you read truths in the Bible that they're so radical and powerful, they almost sound blasphemous, right? Paul just said what about you and I, friends, if we are in Christ? He said we are going to be remade into the image of Christ. What does the Bible say about mankind in Genesis 3 that he doesn't say about any other creation? He made them in the image of. But what happened to that image when sin came? It got tarnished. It got, in many ways, destroyed. And when Jesus comes back, what does he do? He remakes us. We are his workmanship, says Paul. What does that mean for us? In your life, do you feel tired? Do you feel depressed? Do you feel sick with your sin or in your body? Do you feel weak? The gospel says, take heart. Just as we have been born in the image of dust, we will 
someday fully bear the image of the man of heaven. Is Christ beautiful? If so, say amen. Is he whole? Is he healthy? Is he pure? So too will we be. That's what the gospel promises. That's what we're becoming. Obviously, we're not going to be Jesus like he alone is God and he's a different kind of glory. But like we are his workmanship. Jesus says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, my father and I are going to build our home in you. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Jesus is remaking his people. And the last thing we see in this passage, verses 50 through 57, the last truth before Paul gets to the application is that death will be defeated. Here's the battle cry, right? Here's the victory shout of the gospel. A day is coming when sin and death and sorrow will die forever, right? There is going to be a day where God's people are in heaven and they will literally like taunt death. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Implication, it doesn't have a sting anymore. The sting of death is sin, and when Jesus finishes the work of redemption, it will just be gone forever. Revelation says he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more crying. For behold, the Lamb of God is with his people. Like, that's what we're moving towards. Jesus is going to make all things New. And what does that mean for us? Here's what Paul says as far as like, okay, if, if all that's true, and I hope that you feel that. Like one of the, I think the businesses of the Christian life is like every new year, one of your core resolutions, like at the top of your new planner that you bought that you're going to use for two months, right? And then throw away, right? At the top of it, every new year, one of our big goals should be to grow in my appreciation of that truth. Like that is the message. So I hope you feel it, but, but how do we respond to that? Look at what Paul says in verse 58. So because of everything he's just said, and this is a long chapter, 58 verses. After all that he's just said, what does he want us to do? Therefore, my beloved brothers, my sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Knowing that your labor is not in vain. What is he saying? Every piece of your life, like if all of that's real, which it is, every piece of your life has to be oriented around that reality. Don't waste your life living for or loving or seeking after anything else. That's what Paul's saying. Because the last Adam has come. He's making all things new. He's, he's putting even now all his enemies under his feet. He's died for us. He lives for us. We're going to be reformed into his image. So live that all the time. In everything that you do, like running towards one thing, the last day where we cheer, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? And then take heart knowing your labor's not in vain. From all of this, what does Paul, through the Holy Spirit, have us conclude? Three things from verse 58 that we see, or two things. Number one, know that you're loved. He calls us beloved. If you are in Christ, you are more loved than you can possibly imagine. 
Not because in and of yourself, in and of ourselves, we are inherently worthy of that love because our sin says that in many ways we're worthy of something else. But just because God is love and he's chosen to love us. If you are in Christ, know that you are loved more than you can possibly imagine that Christ died for you. And if you are in Christ, know that you are called to live from the reality of that love. How does Paul say that calling works? Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always. And what is that work? Right? In John 6, 29, Jesus says that the work of the Father is to believe. Let me read that for you. Jesus is being questioned and he's talking with, with people about, you know, what do we do to get the bread of life from you? And then they ask, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answers them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. So what is the work of your life, follower of Christ? First, to affirm the truth of the reality of Christ, but not just to affirm it, to trust in the person of Jesus and to spend the rest of my life in, in, from that belief, turning from self and turning from my sin and following after Jesus. So first, the work of the Lord is to believe. Second, the work of the Lord is to bear witness, right? Matthew 28, one of the most famous passages in the Bible. This is at the end of his earthly ministry. Jesus goes to his disciples, and he's about to go up into heaven. And he comes to them and says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So because of that, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So, so the work of God is to believe in Christ it is to be a witness in the world of Christ and through that to make disciples. Then there's this church dynamic, right? There's this one another dynamic. In John 15, Jesus says, he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So there's three things, right? What is the work of the Lord? It, the work of the Lord is to believe in Christ, to bear witness to Christ in the world, to love one another like other believers by laying down our lives for theirs. That is the call. How do we do that? Right? There's a lot we could say here, but the reason we're talking about this today, and I'll narrow my focus to one specific means by which God has chosen to use for this work, it's to be a part of this body. Right? Christ's amazing reality calls for a life of wholehearted devotion, and we have to respond to that call not as individuals, but in community. Read through the scripture, okay? There is no vision in Scripture. And by that, we, we infer there's no vision in the mind of the Holy Spirit, in the mind of God, for the Lone Ranger Christian, right? We don't get to just, it's me and Jesus. When you think about what it means 
to do the work of Christ, which Paul has called us to because of the reality of the gospel, like one of the fundamental ones. This is my commandment. What? That you love one another. You can't one another when there's no one else. Doesn't work. The vision of the cross, the reality of the people of God, the body of Christ, like it has to be a people. It has to be communal. The church, and I'm not talking about like the the walls and the 501c3, right? I'm talking about the body of Christ, the people of God, is the divinely chosen, purchased, and fashioned organism that God has planned to carry out the mission of making his name known to all nations for treasuring and upholding his word, the scripture, and for fostering and forming his people. Jesus says the church is his body. What are we? We're a local church. What does that mean? It means that we are a full, real reflection of Christ's Catholic church. What we mean by that is that we are a part of Christ's worldwide. Catholic means universal, right? We're a part of Christ's world, worldwide, beyond time, body of believers, right? We're going to recite before we take the Lord's Supper today the Apostles' Creed, which talks about that reality that like, like we, when we are a part of this, we're not just a part of landmark, right? We are part of any body of believers who have ever believed in the true Christ and followed after him. Right? That, that's what we are. And we are a full reflection of that. Why are we a full reflection of that? What is a, a biblically structured church? We're a gathering of believers that teaches the word, that administers the sacraments, like we're going to take the Lord's Supper, we baptize people, and we're shepherding the people of God under the care of elders who meet the biblical qualifications of eldership. Right? If you've done our membership class, you're like, okay, did he just pull this from the membership class? And yes, I did. That's where I got it from. That's who we are. And what we strive for, like the reason that we exist, is that if it's true that the gospel has to be the all-consuming reality and purpose of my life and your life, that's what it has to be for Landmark. Like we have to do everything for the gospel, through the gospel, by the gospel. Right? We exist to be a gospel witness in the city. We exist to remind each other and train each other in the gospel. We exist to care for those that the world ignores because our care says something about the gospel. We exist to share what we have with each other as a response to the gospel. Like everything we do as a part of this church has to be about the gospel. We exist to uphold the gospel and point one another to the reality of the gospel. And so I just want to encourage you, man, this year, as as we now celebrate these members, as we pray for them, I want to encourage you just to evaluate in your life. Man, number one, am I, am I feeling the beauty of the gospel that we just together reflected on? The reality of Christ. Maybe if, 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 if as I talk about this, you say, man, I don't know if I've trusted in Christ. I don't know if I'm included in the idea of his new creation and his people. I just want you to know it's not that complex. It's believing in the message that I've just presented to you. It's saying, Lord, I want you to rule my life. 
I'm sorry for the areas that I have said no thank you and done my own thing. I'm sorry for my sin. I want to follow you. And then it's walking that out by the power of God's Holy Spirit. It's very hard sometimes, right? It includes cross-bearing, so of course it's hard, but it's simple. I want to encourage you, like, be united to Christ today if you haven't been before. But if you have been, I want you to reflect and just say, man, is this, is this message, this beautiful truth, is it touching every area of my life? And then for those of you who, man, I don't know what your background with the community of faith is. I don't know if, if you're from San Marcos, if you're visiting with us today, welcome. Wherever you live, I encourage you, like, be a part of the body of Christ. Because in so many ways, like, this has been God's way of leading me to better appreciate and understand and apply the beauty of the cross in my life.